1: Hey, I'm Nick DiMatteo, and welcome to video number 95 in audio, season 4, episode 40, the final episode of the season of Music Is Not a Genre. Thanks as always for watching and listening. Don't forget you can support this podcast at patreon.com slash music is not a genre or anchor.fm slash music is not a genre. My public hub, please subscribe is youtube.com slash Nick and you can visit me at my website, nickdimatteo.com. I would love for you to sign up there. It's free. You get your, you get my newsletters and a whole bunch of other things and nickdimatteo.com slash podcast is where you can get all the links to everything for every episode or almost every episode of this podcast. So yeah, there's a lot of excitement in the air. There's a lot of stuff going on as usual this time of year, end of school, anybody who has kids, uh, all three of my kids are graduating from their schools this year. So that has been kind of crazy and kind of awesome in a lot of ways. And so there's excitement in addition to what's going on now. But what is going on now is, yes, this is the final episode of the season it's been a, a pretty crazy in a season, and, and a season that has seen a lot of developments, which I've been very excited about throughout. Uh, this episode title, let's get right to it, is called The Freewheeling Catch-Up Machine Number 2, Know Your Menag Terms Edition. So this is only the second time I've done an episode like this, about midway through the season, a little before that. Of This season, I did this freewheeling catch-up machine, you know, where I talked about the Goombas in uh, music, in the music world. And for this one, uh, yeah, you know, as always, I try to bring something new to every podcast I do, but let me go over what exactly is happening here. I'm going to give you the whole rundown of what's going on with this podcast, and then we'll get right into it. So there's basically six things. Number one, as... The title promised, know your maniac terms. I'll define four very key terms because I like to make shit up and uh, I want to make sure you all understand what they mean. Uh, You probably do in most cases. Number two, uh, I'm going to do a review of season four. Uh, It won't be... Very detailed, because that's many, many episodes, but, you know, that will include some fan comments and some other things that I might have missed that I wanted to throw in there. Uh, number three will be more fan comments that I have received not related to these episodes, just to make sure I'm, you know, keeping that connection there and thanking everybody. Number four, my chronographies, or basically what I've been listening to recently. Would love to hear what you're listening to as well. Number five is a look ahead to next season uh, with much more excitement and stuff going on there. And then finally, number six is uh, a sign-off talking about the song that uh, I feature at the end of this podcast. Uh, by the way, for those of you listening, uh, the the set that you're missing this week is where I get my CDs from. Uh, this is... I'm going to do something... Uh, actually, I can't do that because this is on a riser right now. I was going to spin it around, but I had to lift it up. Otherwise, you couldn't see most of it. It is an old custom speaker. K-U-S-T-O-M. For those of you in the music world, you might know that brand. It's from the 70s. It was my dad's. Uh, we gutted them. Well, there were two of them. We gutted them, and I put shelves in and made them CD shelving. And so, yes, this is one of two filled with CDs goes all the way to the floor. And then I have a third very thin shelf with the other CDs and then a book with a bunch more CDs and then drawers full of even more CDs and what's crazy is I actually got rid of a few a couple hundred CDs a few years ago so I've had even more than that. Uh maybe regret getting rid of them. I don't know. Uh everything's crazy. There's a lot of stuff, right? So I wanted to give you kind of an idea of where this stuff is coming from. You've seen some of my old, uh, here's a great example. This is my old 45 case from when I was a kid, 70s baby. And, uh, you know, where my vinyl comes from and all that. And since we're going to be on CDs for quite a while, other than the books and the interviews and other things we do, I wanted to show you that. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. So know your monag terms. Yeah, I like to make stuff up. That's part of the fun of this podcast. It flows from my kind of need to create as a writer, as a singer-songwriter, producer. And I like to find kind of shorthand to explain things and sometimes just Coining words or phrases is the way to do it. So number one, something I mentioned uh, earlier, is the chronography. And that's a word that I made up, which is defined as a thorough listening to a music artist's entire discography done in chronological order. So mixing chronology and, and discography. Chronography. Now, when I do a chronography, I... Tend to stick to the main releases, albums, and singles. I don't really do uh, live, I only do compilations if there's new material on there. But you do it the way you want to do it. It's fun, it's a great way to get to know. I did an entire episode on it, so you can go ahead and look it up. But it's a a shorthand, you know, short version is a great way to get to know an artist and understand them as artists and the context in, in which they were creating. B, heart artist, a band or solo artist whose music you can't live without. I did an episode on that as well. And that's basically like, uh, can you imagine never listening to a certain artist or or music, uh, you know, album, whatever it is, song? If you say, yeah, I've heard enough of it, then that's probably not a heart artist for you. If there is an artist whose releases you devour no matter what, even if there are some that you're like, ah, that wasn't my favorite, but I'm going to keep going with them. That's a hard artist. Now, see, death is dumb. Phrase I came up with uh, in a, uh, relation to Lou Reed a couple of years ago in a very old podcast. And that's defined as the philosophy that the death of a musician robs us of the future and teaches us nothing. And I'll even extrapolate and say the death of anybody. I uh, understand how this is a real philosophical, you know, mindfuck, basically. And that we are told over and over again that we appreciate life because we die. Now, there's no way to prove the opposite. But I have a sneaking suspicion that if for some reason we could live longer than 100 years or whatever it is, or indefinitely that there are those of us who would understand that life is meant to be appreciated regardless because just being here is amazing and when someone is taken away, it, you know, kind of sucks. D, uh, the share tingles. The transcendent, tingly feeling that overtakes the body when you share a favorite song or song moment. So you may feel that, and I did a podcast on this too, you may feel that feeling when you are listening to something that, oh my God, that part of the song and you just start tingling for whatever reason. And that may diminish. It may not. There's songs I was just listening to recently, uh, old songs of mine actually, where I felt the same tingles as if I was just there in the room creating them or had just heard them you know, completely produced. But in other cases, okay, I've heard I Will Follow by You 2 a million times. And... Uh, I don't tingle the same way, but if I share it with someone who is inclined to like that, then all of a sudden that returns and it can return in an even greater way because you're sharing that tingly feeling. And, you know, there's that synergy of, of the loop of energy that you guys are sharing. That's the share tingles. All right. All right. Uh, Memorize those. There's going to be a test next year. Uh, those of you who passed, uh, I'll give you something, you know, I'll send you something special uh, or not. I have no idea. Again, I'm just making stuff up. So let's get to the second part of this uh, episode, which is a review. I haven't done this before and I'm really excited because I look back on this season and... And I realized that there was just a lot of dynamic stuff and a lot of diverse stuff so i i i I did this in semi chronological order, but I also grouped them in categories so first category were the kind of outliers. The first episode I actually recorded twice because I recorded it back in September. then there was a giant flood right in this room, and somehow we recovered, I recorded the it again because there was no way i could start a season and not refer to that flood and and just the way you know things were flooding into life and whatever then in midway through i did my first freewheeling ketchup machine episode and today's that was number 18 uh season four number 18 if you want to listen to that and today's episode, the final one, is the second freewheeling catch-up machine. So those are kind of the outliers. Now, just kind of the normal ones, where I picked a CD or, or a collection of CDs from a band or artist and talked about that. Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I may have mentioned this before, but just to you know give my opinion, their new album is freaking incredible. It's not just a return to form, and par- par- partly because John Frusciante is back but it sort of is almost a culmination of everything they've ever done. Uh, the Hives from Sweden, Billy Joel, Lenny Kravitz, Eminem, Lou Rawls, and hello, Lon Dorsey. That was a great connection from that podcast. The Smithereens, Box Sets, and a good friend of mine who's a, a music writer, he's a reviewer of things in general, Steve Erickson, uh, He he pondered whether, you know, Kanye will release a box set 10 years from now of unreleased material. Always something interesting. It's been surprising over the years which bands have been successful enough to release box sets, whether we still consume them as physical objects or just listen to those collections online. Still so kind of collecting their the music in one way or another, so many different kinds. I did an episode on supergroups Mixes in the CDR and music piracy. That was a fun episode. I heard shortly after that that Limewire, which those of you who have ever pirated anything will know what Limewire is, is actually relaunching as an NFT site. So, yeah. And I've got mixed feelings about NFTs. Um I think they're one of those things that are successful for certain kinds of people. And for others, it's, it's the same as it's always been, which is nobody's paying attention and the market's flooded. But it's the same with Bitcoin and all that stuff. We'll get to see how long this stuff lasts. Uh, I did an episode on emo. I did uh, one on two, uh, three obscure jazz albums, uh, two collections of crime jazz and heavy flute. I did an episode on Belle and Sebastian recently. Uh, The next category, my opinion episodes, which are near and dear to me. They don't get as many listens or views, but I urge you uh, to go ahead and find them because they have, I think, the most discussion in them and the most relevance to the world today, uh, even outside of music. I did one called Out of Time, Not Out of Mind. Uh, I did one called The Share Tingles. We just talked about that. Um, I did uh, can good production save bad music and the only note I have there is shortly after that I realized that I misquoted a song so I, I was saying good production bad production whatever and I thought oh come together the Beatles he sings bad production but it doesn't the line is actually bag production so you know no one called me out on that I'm calling myself out on that uh and then I did an episode on negative reviews, which I was very, very passionate about because that extends far beyond music, negging in general. And my friend again, Steve Erickson, who is a reviewer, pointed out something very important, which is that critics are creators too. Critics are not just uh reiterating what exists. They are trying to add something new to the conversation, And whether you agree or not with the, either the content or the approach, it should be respected that these people, these reviewers, are critics I mean, are, are creators, and they are making their livelihood at it, uh, whether it's done via video or writing or however you do it, uh, podcasting. All right. I then did 12 interviews. I did another dozen interviews this past season. I don't know what I'm doing next season. I've got kind of a surprise interview, uh, fingers crossed if it comes together, for next season and a couple of other people in mind. But these kind of things have sort of come together. You know, I didn't know I would do all 12 of these and then it just worked out. It just really just worked out. Uh, the first one was uh, My Lovely Wife. Catherine, um, uh, where who's taken photographs of me that feature this here, this uh, shelving unit, among other things. She interviewed me. Uh, I did a, a third part to my interview with my dad, which was a Q&A. People, you know, uh, sent questions in and I had questions of my own and we did that. Leslie Goshko, amazing uh, pianist singer. David Dabin uh, does a lot of arranging and writing. Paul Eschen, another great pianist. Patrick Tape Fleming, Elephant Six. Yeah, that was an amazing connection. I am so glad that that all worked out for so many reasons. Mike and Davina, uh, who, who's from Canada, does a lot of producing. Steve Erickson, guy I just talked about. Lon Dorsey, the connection from Lou Rawls. Jacqueline B. Arnold, Jackie Arnold, friend, uh, Broadway star, and Bridget Hogan, uh, near and dear, uh, whose interview. Was so long, I broke it into two parts. <laughs> uh, this year, I did only three Death is Dumb episodes. Uh, I did a Soundgarden, which, of course, is Chris Cornell's death. Um, I mean, you can also talk about the his replacement, whose name escapes me, the guy from Linkin Park. Um, but, you know, so Death is Dumb. Martha Bresser on YouTube sent in a comment. And her, her comment, two, two parts to the comment. One was, thank you, just thank you. Somebody who loves Chris Cornell and Soundgarden, you're welcome, of course. And she also listened through or watched the entire episode and got to hear uh, my song, Xylophone Ways, at the end. And she absolutely loved the part with the guitar solo, which is in 7-8 time, which is very reminiscent of things that Soundgarden did. I did A Death is Dumb on Nirvana, And my third one was on Terry Kath, the the legendary guitarist from the band Chicago. MP from YouTube reminded me that the song I was trying to think of was Happy Man, which is from Seven, not Song For You, which is much later. It was actually after Terry Kath died. Thank you for reminding me of that. It's amazing that you picked that out for what I was talking about. That is a fellow Chicago obsessive, and I love it. Uh, and I'd like to just, while I'm here, do a very, very quick mini Death is Dumb on Taylor Hawkins. Because I've done a Foo Fighters episode and I may not return to them. But but among other people's deaths this year, and every year has some shocking deaths, that one was a particular shock. This is a band who's been riding high for a while, not just musically, but they put a movie out, uh, which I haven't seen it and I really want to see it. Uh, they have, you know, worked with uh, Andy Bushell and and just so many other musicians, uh, le- legends and beyond that, and have just really put a lot of love and passion into what they do and, and, you know, Sonic Highways from a few years ago and things like that. And to be at the top of their game yet again and to have this death happen is just, it really was a sock in the gut. So Taylor Hawkins, R.I.P. Uh, next one, uh, next category was uh, I did four and a half book talks. I did a Fat Boy Slim episode with the book Last Night at DJ Saved My Life, which was my entry into talking about books. But I didn't call it a book talk because it was mostly about Fat Boy Slim. Why You Like It, the science and uh, uh, I forget musical taste actually sitting right over here. Uh, excellent book, a tome, but worth reading. Major Labels. Uh, again, that was, that was a fun one and uh, had some great discussions after that one. And then I did an entire episode on Beatles books. And that was fun. My my dad, who's been a huge Beatles fan forever, has been le- wa- uh, reading one of the Beatles books. I had mentioned in that, in that podcast that the reason why I did it that week was because I was lending some books to him. And uh, one of them was Paul McCartney's lyrics book. And when he got to yesterday... He made the point that that second verse, suddenly, I'm not half the man I used to be. There's a shadow hanging over me. Oh, yesterday came suddenly. He said that doesn't make sense. He said he thinks that the lyric either was or could have been or should have been. Oh, yes, today came suddenly in contrast to yesterday being these halcyon days. And I thought that was a really interesting point. Uh, and then I did an episode on the show that never ends on Prague rock. And again, Steve, we have great discussions. Uh, you should look up his work in Gay City News and other places. Um, Steve mentioned, because I wondered why some bands weren't included in this book. And he said something that never occurred to me, which is that in a, for a lot of Prague rock aficionados and fans and, and you know, critics, there is a British bias So they will mostly and or only pay attention to British progressive rock bands other than Rush, which is kind of they're kind of thrown into the mix, you know, but bands from other countries. And there are so many other non-English speaking progressive rock bands, bands from America, progressive rock, uh, you know, other than kind of the neo-progressive of Tool and Mastodon and such, uh, which were also kind of thrown in there as mentions maybe um, aren't considered as, you know, the pinnacle of prog rock by people who have this British bias. I think it's stupid. I'm short-sighted. But what are you going to do? That was it, man. That was the whole season. That was season four. Insanity, right? And yet so much fun. Uh, I have so many things that I, never, that I never got to, of course. You can't get to all of them that are slated for next season that I'm very excited about. We'll get to that. Uh, some general fan comments on some of my non-podcast stuff, because I put a lot of music up on youtube.com slash Nick DiMatteo, uh, as well as a link as well as a link to my band Rex YouTube channel, which I'm working on getting an official name for that. Please subscribe to that when you see it. Uh, and I put clips up of cover songs that I had done in 2020 during the pandemic and just shortened those sets into clips and someone who calls themselves philip j fry futurama reference uh loved my take on violent femmes never tell and you can go ahead and look that up nick dimatio violent femmes never tell and you'll get to see it yourself that's gotten the most views of any cover song live cover song that i put up there uh waiting for you to be mine, which if you can see this, it's spelled W8N4 letter U T two, I mean two, number two, B, M-I-N-E. Loved my take on Prince's Mountains. One of his lesser-known songs, even though it was a single and a relative hit. Uh, I did it on piano, and that's another one that's been getting quite a lot of views. So thank you for listening and watching, you guys, as I always say. Uh, And also, real big check to Lon Dorsey. Uh, He's a guy I interviewed. I connected with him on Lou Rawls because he was a friend of Lou Rawls, knows a lot about Lou Rawls. Uh, the fact that he put in this very long comment about an old episode of mine that I did, which was all music is black music. I love that he weighed in on that because I firmly believe that is true. And that he, we've actually had subsequent discussions on a bunch of other things, including a suggestion that he made for something next season, which uh, if I'm able to arrange it, will absolutely do. Uh, now, especially now that the pandemic is hopefully winding down, uh, I'd, I'd like to do this and involves getting some people in the room with me to have some you know vibrant discussions. Also, like to send a shout out to distant cousin of mine, James Castelli. We do correspond frequently as well. Uh, he sent me. I mean, there were so many things that we've talked about. And by the way, he goes under the name Omega as for James Castelli Omega. Look it up on Bandcamp. He's got over 100 albums, and he just put out a new one. Please go listen to it. He sent me a video uh, from a guy, Rick Beato, interviewing a guy, Ted Joya, about the future of music. And there were so many great points made in there, but I want to uh, mention a couple of things. One is, um, and I mentioned this in a podcast of mine, people who say attention spans are short are saying the same thing people have said for 100 years. Whether it was about radio or television or or you know comic books or whatever other thing people are demonizing, and now it's technology and the internet, attention spans are as short as we want them to be, and intelligence is as you know underdeveloped as we want it to be. Uh, I, and and he made the case that it, both attention spans and intelligence are underestimated, and what I say, and that high levels of both do exist. And what I say is, when you underestimate something and produce things for people who you think have shorter attention spans or who aren't as intelligent, not only are you condescending, but you are flooding the market with things that promote short attention spans and, you know, a lower uh, development of intelligence. And And so my contention is, whether it's with music or podcasts or books or anything, yeah, short stuff can exist. Fun, crazy, you know, sensational stuff can exist, of course. It always has and it always will. But if you're a person who is inclined to do something that is more fleshed out, do it. Don't be afraid to do it because somebody tells you that attention spans are too short or people won't get it. It's bullshit. And I know that from experience. Number two, uh, he made the case that people do not engage and fall in love with music as much as they used to. But it's not a generational difference. Which, I again, I, I think is always bullshit. We're constantly separating generations and saying our experience is different from yours. There may be certain ways in which it's different if certain kind of music didn't exist when someone was growing up or, or what have you. But as far as the holistic kind of existential experience, there's very little that's different from generation to generation. He says it's not a generational difference but it's because the companies are pushing things that they want. And again, got to go to Steve Erickson. We're having this discussion on on, you know, major labels dropping developing artists after let's say a poorly uh performing first album or second album. And I said that when I was coming up in the music world and starting to release my own music, the artist development era of music was already in decline and was really pretty much dead by the time, you know, my music and Rex music were really coming out. And I wondered if the music companies, I mean, this is not a wonder. They're following the bottom line. They care honestly about nothing but the money. Because if they cared about anything more than the money, they'd be putting out music that would run the risk of not making any money at all. Or they knew right off the bat wouldn't make much money. And I get, you know, you're a company, you want a healthy bottom line. There are other ways to do that. Uh, There's this whole thing now about growth mindset being kind of a cancer on the society. Because if all you think about is that every single month or quarter or year, you need to be bigger and better and have more then you're kind of missing out on maybe the fundamental point of what you do. Because then just, just be an investment firm. Just just be money. Just be money. If you're going to be music, then then care about the music. And it, this Ted Joya's point is that variety and depth are missing in music. So... People engage in a much shorter way, a more kind of flash-in-the-pan way with the music that they're listening to, because what the companies are putting out are meant to only kind of capture you and then fall away. And yeah, sure, you'll say that about certain types of pop music throughout the ages, but there had always been room uh, in companies, in particular, and on the airwaves for a wider spectrum of music. And now that wider spectrum is out there in greater numbers than ever but making uh, way less money than ever before. In every way, you can break those numbers down. And that's partly because uh, there's so much of it out there and the internet is not a great money-making model, frankly, for most people or companies. But it's also because the music, uh, you know, the record companies, the companies are not supporting this music in any significant way, and nor is the society. Um, And there's a couple other points. The best new music is self-produced and almost never heard or promoted something I just said a couple seconds ago uh please look beyond what's on the streaming services thankfully a lot of artists who are lesser known like wreck and you know my music Uh, are putting their stuff out in these streaming services, which at least gives people the opportunity to hear them alongside other better-known artists. But there's so much more out there that goes beyond that. That's why I keep saying Bandcamp is a great place to go, but there are other places. Just please always be looking for music that is, uh, you know, not among the mainstream. You might fall in love with something uh, unexpectedly, and it could change your life, at least musically. Um, And... To that point, uh, the point I made a couple minutes ago, Ted Joy also said that Spotify is an unsustainable business model, and I love the way he described it. And I'm not going to go into it, but the point he, the kind of the overall point he made, was that the only way Spotify can make money is to think about making money. You know, is to is to structure it such that the end result is just about how much money that the company is is breaking in. And he predicts that eventually Spotify and companies like this will will start to fail because you can only go so far with that model. And if you're going to shortchange artists, which is done with the cooperation with companies, of course, then eventually it's all going to fall apart. All right. Thank you all for, you know, the people who've had these conversations with. Uh, I'd love to continue that next season and in the summer. Talk about that a little bit later. So things I've been listening to. I did an entire chronography of the band Klaatu, who at one point in the 70s was thought to be the Beatles in disguise. I get it, but I don't get it. I really enjoyed their music. K-L-A-A-T-U. If you're an old sci-fi fan, you'll know that reference from a movie. I did the chronography of all of the smithereens and Pat DiNizio's solo work, because I've been a fan of them since the late 80s, and it was really kind of great to uh, hear music from them that I hadn't heard before. The Wombats, an amazing British electro-rock band, the band I think closest to uh, rec sound in the world, uh, is what I'll say. They put out a new album recently, which I absolutely love, one of their best. Please go listen to them. Indochine, the legendary French rock band, knew almost nothing about them other than the name which I'm not even sure I knew that name because there's also a restaurant called that, and I might have been confusing the two, but they've been around for 40 years and have put out music very recently, I think this year even, a couple singles, and uh, amazing, amazing. I actually put a little bit too much of them on my annual playlist. (laughs) Uh, I also listened to some old artists who put out new albums. Arcade Fire. You know, always a mixed blessing for me, that band, and I think their new album qualifies. Block Party. Uh, I enjoyed their new album. Uh, It's hard to match those first two albums, especially the first album, but I love that they're still around doing their thing. Spoon, an album that you need to listen to more than uh, once for it to really get to you. Delamitri, if you remember the song Roll With Me from the early mid-90s, that was their only American hit, really. They're a Scottish kind of pop band pop rock band. And their new album was actually damn good. And it's cool that they're still out there. Tears for Fears' new album, uh, Revelation. You know, like somebody, a a critic said, it doesn't deserve to be this good, but it is. And however you want to interpret that, but damn, it's good. Catherine and her sister are going to see them live uh, a night when I have a, a gig somewhere else. Dashboard Confessional, Chris Caraba doing his thing. A little more mature in some ways as far as lyrically, you know, but very, very much like a dashboard confessional album. Eddie Vedder's solo album was so great. It starts out great. You know, and there's some great guests, play, guest players in there, including Stevie Wonder and Ringo. Uh, Coldplay's new album, they did a song with BTS. Not bad. The rest of the album, it's Coldplay. Um, I've always been, you know, had mixed feelings about them. But there's a song on there that's like 10 minutes long called Coloratura, worth the album. That song itself is worth the album. And I think it's the best song in the album. And then, of course, Red Hot Chili Peppers, which I talked about earlier. New artists that I've listened to are new-ish. Harry Styles' new album, great. I actually like the one uh, he put out a couple years ago. That's on the 500 Greatest, for some reason. Better, but I do like it. Kendrick Lamar will, I think, hopefully never cease to surprise, and it, there's just the content, just such weighty content and interesting content, as always, uh, may have even influenced a track or two on Rex's upcoming album, in a way, uh, worth listening to. PJ Morton, not very well known, look up PJ Morton, that's all I'm gonna say, recent Christmas album, awesome, that's how I discovered him, and then put out an album recently, it's very soulful, Jack Harlow, lot of talk about this dude he wants to be the next eminem uh there were certain things on the album i did enjoy girl pool uh great i don't remember a lot about linda linda's um, the the teen band from california that's doing kind of punk excellent please patronize them support them earth gang freaky hip-hop and awesome just really uh expands your mind robert glasper a jazz dude a pianist uh who actually threw some like uh he did a cover of planet rock on piano and i mean just an instrumental and among other things excellent uh excellent stuff nilifer yanya i believe i'm pronouncing her name or their name correctly cool album really cool album it's like uh, Laro Mvula from last year. That was one of those albums where I was like, wow, you know. Uh, Beach Beach Bunny, uh, a band that I'm always going to love because of the kind of power pop, kind of post punk that they do. Uh, Hooray for the Riff Raff. Uh, exciting, like good stuff. Really just quality, good stuff. Sasami, uh, enjoyed. Uh, didn't hit me quite as much as others. Surfboard, B O R T. Gah, come on. That is a fun album. That's just a punk album, and you got to go listen to it. Wet Leg, conversation I had with Steve Harrison about bands like Wet Leg and, and um, Mitsuki, I'll also listen to, who uh, are getting a lot of hype, like Phoebe Bridgers and all them. And even though they are absolutely quality, the question is do they deserve the hype more than other indie musicians, indie artists? Uh, the answer is no. But it doesn't mean that their music isn't good. Idols from Britain. Man, there's some power there. There's just pure energy and really kind of some really cool songs. Uh, That's mostly what I've been listening to. I may have missed a few things, but that's where I've been. Quick look ahead to next season. Uh, I'm going to be doing some summer shorts. Introducing a new name for those shorts when I do them. And uh, maybe only two or three, just to kind of give everybody something. And also, there are some shorter things that I'd like to talk about that don't warrant a full episode. So five, ten minutes, maybe. Who knows? I like to talk. Uh, I am working on a new logo, which will come with new branding. The name music is not a genre. It's not going to change. But certain things will shift that will, I don't know, I just like to have fun with this stuff. I've always been a logo designer. And I like kind of the fun of branding. It's a little tongue-in-cheek, but it's fun. Uh, I've always had... I mentioned the big surprise interview guest. If it comes together, I will confirm it for sure over the summer. But uh, I'm not going to say anything else um, other than Broadway. And this one, I love numbers. I love organizing. I love, you know, putting things into categories. The problem is when I started this, it wasn't a video or audio. It was just a blog. So that number is going to be one number. And then I did the video, which is a different number. And I separated it into different video categories, which makes it two numbers. Actually, three, because then there's interviews, you know. And then I did the audio and realized I need to streamline this. And I separated it into seasons, which makes the most sense and seems to be the easiest to follow. So part of my work over the summer is going to be throwing away all those other numbers because that's old now and they don't apply anymore and just sticking with the season numbers so instead of saying video number 95 audio season 4 episode 30 i'm just going to say welcome to season 5 episode 1 You know, I may make mention of when I reach a certain milestone, like this is my 300th week of doing this or whatever it is, but I'm not going to be including those numbers anymore. All right. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I'm trying to, you know, respect your brains and mine. Uh, And of course, I like to end every episode or almost every episode with a song of mine, because uh, in case you were wondering, that's kind of the reason why I do all this is to connect the music that I do with other music so that you all have a greater chance of understanding where I'm coming from and maybe see it in a certain light so that you can appreciate it. Because i got to tell you, it's always harder to appreciate music that you don't know. Uh, if it's If it's something that you know that other people know, you are more inclined to listen to it. It's just the way it is. That's the way culture and society is. Nothing wrong with that. But there are people who will seek out music that other people don't know on purpose— they're they're fewer than the, the masses. And I like to also hit the people in between who, if they hear a song they don't know, but they like it, they're going to follow it anyway. And that's, those are people that you really have to appreciate, too. So there's a song of mine, which I'm including in a lot of my licensing pitches to licensing companies. If you're a sync licensing agent or anybody, contact me. And it's a song from Rex's album, Distance to Empty, also featured in the movie Dealer. And it's called When It Comes. And it was basically the love song for that movie. I did an acoustic version of it in the movie itself, actually, or at least part of the song. I don't think it was the whole thing. I don't remember, to be honest. Uh, But the recorded version, it's one of my favorite productions that I've ever done, as far as single song productions and there's an there's kind of that anticipatory you know feeling with the title when it comes, which I thought was appropriate for the end of this season, the upcoming summer, and all the new stuff that might be coming next season and so this is what I wanted to include and I think that as far as electro power pop, which is how I define rec just to give people something to latch onto, you will a thousand percent hear one hundred percent here you know, the electro power pop in this song when it comes. So I put a link here, but please also just stay tuned in a minute or two. You're going to hear it and seek it out, uh, put it on playlists, whatever else you want to do. As far as next season, just to cap this episode, there are changes that are upcoming that I am going to do regardless. Like the things I've mentioned, there are other changes that I would like to incorporate that cannot happen without your support. They take time, which if I'm spending more time on this, I'm spending less time on other things that, I, that bring in income. And they take money because it's going to take either new equipment or hiring people to assist me. And so I really want to do all of these changes because I think Music Is Not A Genre has come to a place where it understands what it is. I understand what it is. You guys are getting what it is. And it's time to take it to the next level. So please, if you haven't already, if you're somebody who's been watching a few episodes here or there, who's been following me since the first episode or even before these episodes, please consider supporting Music Is Not A Genre. Either at patreon.com slash music is not a genre or anchor.fm slash music is not a genre. Also, youtube.com slash Nick DeMatteo has a PayPal link there if you just want to donate a one time donation as opposed to a monthly. Everything helps. And welcome to the new Patreon members, by the way. Thank you. I love that that family is growing. I think I thanked you already, but thank you again. And that's my pitch for the end of this season. Thanks for going on this ride with me. It's been amazing. And next season's gonna be even more amazing. I'll see you a little bit in the summer and then I'll see you big time in September. Thanks for listening and watching.
0: No